The Institute for Defense and Business, a nonprofit that designs educational programs for federal, civilian, and military agencies, has someone new at the top. Retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Mark Faulkner has joined as president, and he joins me now. General Faulkner, good to have you on. Tom, thanks for giving me this opportunity. Tell us about the Institute first. It's a nonprofit, and what does it train people in, and who does it train them? Let me just give you a little bit of quick uh, history. Uh, Founded in the 90s by Bill Powell, and he worked for the state of North Carolina, developing a big multimodal industrial park here in, in North Carolina. And as part of his efforts, you know, he worked closely with private industry and with the U.S. military on log practices and things such as that. And during the effort, uh, a common theme emerged in meeting with all the stakeholders is each of them were very interested in each other. Defense was very interested in private industry and vice versa. So, you know, Bill Powell being a uh, entrepreneur said, look, this is a great opportunity to provide real value. And he put together in, a, in an academic environment and developed the concept and developed the institute. And we've been doing that now for, uh, matter of fact, we just celebrated our 25-year uh, uh, anniversary. Got it. And uh, just give us an example of the type of program, say, it would deliver to a federal agency. We're multifaceted, but primarily focused on building tailor-made education programs. And, you know, we're very small, we're very agile, and we're very versatile, and we have great linkages into the Defense Department as well as private industry. And so with a little bit of a logistics underpinning theme of all our programs, focused at different levels, uh, general flag officers and members of the senior executive service. We can drop down to GS-13s to 15s, majors, lieutenant colonels, focusing on key topic areas, you know, such as cyber, cybersecurity, information operations. Technology is a theme that's uh, woven through a lot of them. And one of our more popular course offerings, we have about eight to 10 of them now, Tom, right now deals with depots and arsenals and the industrial base, which, you know, with all the challenges going on globally with supply chain, it's a very popular uh, course offering. Interesting. So you bring a logistics flavor almost to things like information operations and technology, and those are often maybe looked at in terms of pure software and software deployment, but in many ways, they're as operative as a factory, I guess you might say. Yeah, that's exactly right. And uh, being in this location of Chapel Hill, it facilitates us leveraging all this experience here through whether it's UNC, Duke, NC State. And we have very talented facilitators that really bring these leaders together in a a shoulder-to-shoulder exchanges in an academic environment that allows them to exchange information, network. It also teaches them how to think and their own professional development, ways to think strategically, which I would argue, obviously, with the real-world national security challenges, uh, whether it's China, North Korea, and Iran, it's never been more important that our senior leaders understand how to think strategically. We're speaking with retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Mark Faulkner, who is newly president of the Institute for Defense and Business. And do the courses that the government signs up for, these are on location? Is it kind of a campus retreat type of thing, or how does it work logistically? Yeah. Yeah, Tom, thanks. You know, yes and yes, especially in in light of COVID. Uh, Pre-COVID, it was all in residence, so it was all here. COVID, we uh, uh, getting back to our agility, we quickly pivoted to offering them online, uh, interactive, and it worked very well, and the Defense Department and industry leveraged it very quickly. So now, frankly, we have a little bit of a hybrid, and I think that that's 
really going to be a little model for the future is that we have courses that we're able to actually do an interactive online mode and then come together perhaps for the in-resident component. And I think that's going to be a model for the future. Although there's something lost because of the educational type programs I've been in residence at over the years or witnessed, there's always big bowls of chocolates in the hallways and so forth. And you don't have that virtually, some of the little luxuries. You know, you can't, you know, you can't create that chocolate uh, virtually. You can talk about it all you want to, but until you actually taste it, you're right, you can't do it. But with artificial intelligence these days, you know, there's perhaps there's a you know, a technological solution in the offering that one of our participants might come up with. Who knows? Yeah, you never know. But talk more about the logistics angle or aspect of, say, something like information operations or technology development. I mean, it's easy to see how it maps to depots and arsenals, which are in many ways are very factory-like. But what about information operations? Yeah, growing up as a logistician, you know, I would offer logistics is woven into all the instruments of national power and then all the principles of war as well, whether it's information operations, cyber, et cetera. So we weave that in there. It's more than just supply chain. It's adaptive manufacturing. It's technology associated with information operations. And so even though that kind of underpins it, what we're seeing more and more is we want to make sure that, in fact, we're able to pivot, and I used that term earlier, but to support DOD's requirements. And we've been able to do that. Let me give you a couple of examples where we've been very pleased with working closely with the Army. You know, the Army is really doing a tremendous job focusing on the professional development of their majors, their GS-12s, 13s, 14s, and more of an operational focus. We're able to look at specific regions now, regions through almost like a geographic combat commander lens, whether it's the Indo-PACOM region or whether it's the Yukon region to help scratch some of those itches. So even though logistics is our underpinning, and as I talked about earlier, what we did early on with a global transport, we're able to focus on other areas as well, Tom. I guess in any complex project, a big important way of getting it done is to marshal the resources at the right time. And so even if the resources are not hardware assets, nevertheless, you have to marshal them. And that's logistics in a sense, correct? You're exactly right. And, uh, you know, one of the other factors that makes us unique among uh, professional development institutions like this, uh, nonprofits, is we're able to leverage recently retired general flag officers and members of the senior executive service as part of an executive fellows program. So, for example, we talked before we came on about the importance of mentors, This year, we have executive fellows. We have the former U.S. Transcom commander, General McDew, from the Air Force. We have Admiral Chad Allen, who is a former commandant of the Coast Guard. Lieutenant General Darrell Williams from the Army, who just gave up the Defense Logistics Agency, and another senior executive service. So these recently retired senior leaders across the services are able to come back into a setting and actually act as mentors, answer questions, and share their experiences with the class participants. That idea of mentorship is really important to career development. You must have had a mentor at some point that sticks out in your mind. You know, I really did. Thanks for asking. You know, uh, Major General Cliff Stanley is his name. I was a brand new lieutenant when he was a major, and we stay in touch to this day. And frankly, a lot of these executive fellows stay in touch with these students when they come through. And so the, the, uh, the networking, the social engagement, the environment that our institute provides cannot be reinvented. I mean, it's, it really is unique. 
Well, you have to give the Army credit for concentrating on majors because uh, maybe they remember institutionally that at the outbreak of World War II, General Eisenhower was, in fact, a major. That's a great point. And, you know, the Army and uh, the Air Force are really stepping out on this. And I say that even, you know, my own service, we have some catching up to do. The last two weeks I've been in D.C., not that I enjoy going back to D.C., but it is what it is. But the point <laughs> is I was I was at a couple of associations, both AUSA and NDTA, National Defense Transportation. I got to listen to both Secretary of, of the Army, Christine Warmoth, who's amazing, as well as Secretary of the Air Force, Kendall. And their theme, among other things, of course, was China, but they talked about people. And, of course, that's one of Secretary Austin's three priorities is people and talent management. But I'll tell you, we say that a lot in the Defense Department because, you know, it resonates. But in fact, historically, that's where we take the most risk. And we can't get away with that anymore. And that's one of the reasons why I thought this job was very important, is that we need to actually put our money where our mouth is and start working harder on the talent management and the social development of our leaders. Retired Marine Corps Lieutenant General Mark Faulkner is president of the Institute for Defense and Business. Thanks so much for joining me. Tom, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on your schedule. Subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. Hello, and welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I am your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Vice Admiral Cutler Dawson. Cutler has had an incredible career serving our country for 35 years in the Navy, where he attained the rank of Vice Admiral. During his service, he had numerous assignments afloat and ashore, including Commander, Second Fleet, Striking Fleet Atlantic, and in Washington at the Pentagon and on Capitol Hill, where he was the Navy's Chief of Legislative Affairs. Immediately following his retirement from active duty in 2004, he became the president and CEO of Navy Federal Credit Union, the world's largest credit union, where he served for 14 years. Under his leadership, Navy Federal grew from 2 million to 8 million members. Phenomenal. Cutler, welcome and thanks for joining me. Thank you, Shane. You've had a fascinating career across both military and the private sector. Can you tell us a little bit more about your background and your professional journey? Well, I started out at the Naval Academy where I graduated in 1970. And then, as you mentioned, spent 35 years in the Navy um, with uh, six actual actual uh, afloat commands. Uh, the first one was when I was 27 years old. Uh, I didn't know enough to be scared of anything. And it was uh, probably one of the highlights of my career. Um, and then after I retired, after 35 years, I went to uh, work at Navy Federal Credit Union as the CEO, where I spent my next 14 years. Um, I'm, I'm currently retired and enjoying life. And um, it's been a great run for me. How would you describe your leadership style? And how's that developed over the years? My style has been quite con- consistent. Um, I believe, and I've learned this in the Navy, that you have to go to the deck plates uh, to see what is going on. And you have to learn what your people do and how they do it so you can help them to be better at it and more efficient and more productive. Um, it's um, something that you need to do all the time. Um, I remember I used to tell folks that um, you don't want to retreat to your cabin. What I mean by that is, um, 
the longer you're in a position, the less you think you have to get out and about. But that should be the opposite. You should get out and about more because people change, situations change, and you've got to figure out a way to get to them and find out what they're doing and where, what you can do to help them. Uh, I, we'll talk a little bit more about your book, but I read it. Um, From Sea to the C-Suite, fantastic read. You talk about the deck plates in that um, as well. I would encourage everyone to get a copy of this and read some more detail about going to the deck plates. Cutler, who was the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? I had numerous while I was in the Navy, but uh, the quality that, that I enjoyed the most was the leaders that got to know me as an individual and that they cared about me. And I could tell that they cared about me. And they were not only my leaders, but they were my mentors. And um, I remember um, one particular one, Bill Schiffer, when I had my first assignment at the Pentagon, um, I would go in to see him with my problem of the day. And I knew that he had numerous problems of his own, but he would stop and he would focus on me and he would make me feel like I was the most important person in his world. Um, and I, I tried to do that um, throughout my career. But really, it's about caring for your people. Cutler, in reading your book, there was a quote you used that you used to inspire those people that work for you. And it really got my attention. And it was, it was you are the captain of your own ship. I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what that means and how it was useful to you and the leaders you were developing. Uh, absolutely. Um, what I mean by captain of your own ship, when you are the captain of a ship, sometimes you're in the middle of the ocean and you don't have anybody to turn to, to make decisions. You don't have anybody to turn to ask, what should I do now? You have to be the captain of that ship. And I, I translated that um, into, let's say, Navy Federals organization, where I would tell branch managers that, I said, you are the captain of the ships of Navy Federal. You're the ones that are facing the, the members or customers, as others call them, every day. And you have to make decisions without a lot of guidance, in some cases, and without a lot of time. So be the captain of your own ship. Step up, uh, make decisions, uh, do what you think is right, and you never can go wrong. I think that is so important. And you have to give your people a little bit of latitude to take some risk as well, because there is risk for them in doing that and risk to your organization. That's right. And and I mentioned that I took command of my first ship uh, with five years in the Navy and I was 27 years old. Well, my boss had 32 years in the Navy and um, his, his guidance to me when I first met him was, Cutler, you do the right thing, and I'll back you up all the way. What a wonderful way to, to spend an assignment with, uh, with backup and, and guidance like that. What, what great, great advice. Uh, it's clear leadership is a topic you're passionate about. You wrote the book we mentioned before, um, From C to C-Suite. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yes. When I was at Navy Federal, I would tell C-Stories. Uh, as parables to get my point across. And um, folks would tell me, Cutler, we like your stories. It gives us a picture of what you're trying to tell us. Now, what else are they going to say? They work for me, but uh, uh, I took it as a compliment. And it was. And my wife encouraged me to write a book and I needed a co-author to help me. 
And I found a lady named Taylor Keelan, who was the perfect, perfect co-author. She turned in my stories into wonderful chapters um, that I'm very proud of. Where can listeners find a copy? Well, you can get it on Amazon uh, and you can also uh, get it on the Naval Institute website. Uh, And I might add that um, any proceeds from the book, Navy Federal uses uh, to give to charity. Fantastic. Cutler, thank you very much. Really enjoyed your time and your lessons in in leadership and sharing with us your life story. And and, uh, I've learned a lot both from talking to you today and reading your book. And thank you very much for your time. It's my pleasure. And I I would like to add one thing if I could, Shane. Um, During my assignments in Washington, D.C., I gained the utmost respect for the civilians that work here every day. They're hardworking, they're dedicated, and they, they have my eternal gratitude. Uh, I got to come and go from the Pentagon. They stayed every day and worked in Washington when I got to go out and um, enjoy being at sea. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, w- WEPA serves civilian federal employees, but your comment is well taken because the interaction between the two is is continuous, it's nonstop, and it's critical. So uh, the career civil servants, as well as career military, uh, our country would not be where it is today without them. I totally agree. And and I can tell you from the U.S. Navy standpoint, uh, we couldn't operate like we do without them being the backbone of what we do. Thank you very much for your time today, Cutler. And to everyone listening to Lessons in Leadership podcast, we'll see you next time. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.